Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about the four pillars of freedom, time, financial, location, and physical freedom. And in that light, I interview entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, individuals that are doing things outside of the box, changing the world. And in that light, I have Rich Christensen, and he's a successful entrepreneur, thought leader, and he is going to talk to us all about um, business, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, and I will let him introduce himself. So Richard, welcome. Well, thank you, Christopher. I'm really happy to be here. And it's such interesting phases of life that we go through as business owners. I recently read uh, David Brooks' book, The Second Mountain. Uh, about how we spend all of our time and effort climbing the first mountain of fame and fortune. And guess what? Climb that mountain, bend to the top of it. It's not all that. And then the second mountain of contribution and impact. And that's what uh, David Brooks had focused on as the important mountain. And uh, next time I visit with David, we're going to have a conversation because guess what? That's not the jam either. (laughs) Getting to that mountain, although it holds meaning and it's a lot better, I think the high plateau of of the third mountain or i call it the high plateau is really what i'm focusing on now uh and that's the cell do you love yourself or are you kind to yourself have you stabilized your family none of this is worth it if you blow up your health you destroy your trust relationships and most importantly you if you don't stabilize your family so many of the wealthy people i know christopher have uh, literally annihilated the relationships around them and, and that's the ultimate definition of not wealth. Wealth means we are well. That's the Latin roots of it. And so, uh, as you know, most of my background, I founded or co-founded 52 businesses. I have one of the precipice authors on Lean Startup. And now I'm kind of focusing on undoing some of the damage I did. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, I, you know, I know, uh, you know, you're on the third mountain, I'm on the second mountain, and I didn't realize there was something beyond that. So it's really intriguing that you uh, mentioned that. The thing is, is it's not even a mountain. It really is. It's a secret valley or something. You know, everyone calls it transcendence or or nirvana, whatever you want to call it. It really, I mean, end of the day, do you love yourself? Are you okay with yourself? My dear friend and, and business partner and just oh, fellow thought leader, Scott Ford, is in a similar mode. And he articulates this beautiful concept called the infinite entrepreneur. I believe what most people have done and what I did for years is they'll start down here. Let's say I'm going to start at the top. They'll think I'm going to create a business. I'm going to get control of my life. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to sleep under the desk. I'm going to go so hot. I'm going to go crazy. And then they get into entrepreneur mode and burn it so hot they do it. Then it falls a little bit into balance mode. I'm I love the concept of a Buddhist middle way, although I'm Christian. I love the philosophy of balanced middle way. So they get the middle way, they get some wealth, and then once again, they fall terribly out of balance and start uh, uh, promoting dark investing, putting money place that isn't good. Children and family stop producing value until there's a death. And at that point, that death occurs, and I'm working with the most wealthy families in the country. Many of the, they just, Their kids have lost the wealth because they want to cycle back up, get control, get out of addiction, get out of abusive situations, get control, then get the family back in balance and then to drop it over. What uh, I'm really focused on, particularly with Brother Scott, is tipping that over so that as entrepreneurs, 
we can have ourselves in balance, our families in balance, our businesses in balance that fuel wealth, and we have the infinite program going in perpetuity. Too frequently, we burn too hot and we crash and burn and, and fry everyone around us, Christopher. And so I think we've got to be really careful that we maintain and look at what's really important. If you have help, if you don't have your trust relationships, and most importantly, if you don't have your family in balance, it's all for naught. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, actually, you know, we, we were talking, you know, about business and entrepreneurship, but you actually have a, uh, you know, the third mountain is so, and then uh, once, how did, so question for you, um, you know, I'll talk about this, um, is um, how did you become or how are you becoming the in, infinite entrepreneur as you describe it yourself? Well, about uh, four five years ago, I had a major life interrupt, just a major life interrupt that forced me to go towards my, my, my fears, fears with reality. And rather than, you know, I think what most of us do, particularly of entrepreneurs, uh, we really just got a really bad addiction. It's called work and it's glorified and it's similar to a runner running 15 miles every day. We glorify it, but in many regards, it's honestly not a lot different than a heroin habit. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I don't know, it's about equal sometimes because we do fry those around us. And so at what point we get comfortable with the wounds of our uh, our childhood and, and what's happened to us. And I know that sounds hoofy floofy, particularly coming from like the lean startup guy that's found 52 businesses. <laughs> but literally, we've got to get okay with ourselves. Most of my focus has been on stabilizing tribes, stabilizing on family. And I think that's the most significant thought leadership that I brought to, to, to earth so far is this, what I call the legato family framework, how you get your tribe or you get your family or non-traditional family. So endorse and stabilizes and it doesn't get just wish washed around. I'm convinced that most of the political challenges we have of divisive, many of the misogyny issues is at the very core of it is, is not having our families and our tribes stabilized. Yeah, well, that's interesting. You talked about the Legati, sorry, Legato family framework, and I'm always interested in, you know, pulling down big overarching concepts into, you know, terminology. So describe to the listeners what that is and what that entails. Okay, I'd love to do that. Uh, maybe I'll just do a fly jet flyby, uh, maybe a thousand miles an hour. And it's probably worth uh, Christopher just setting up quickly the context of how this came about. Uh, early in my career, my wife and I both grew up in very poor environments. And uh, the one thing we did not want to do is blow our family up or having time with our children. So early in my career, about five years in, it became very evident that we were going to have significant success. Um, our solution, I was, at that point, I was earning more than my father and her father at the end of their career. So our solution was to move to a very, very poor neighborhood and not tell our children that we had any resources. I had a friend that came to me and says, Rich, this is the most stupid, awful model I've seen in my world. If you pull this off, which you're not going to pull it off, you'll certainly destroy your, your grandchildren. And I thought about, oh, my heavens, you're right. So... Uh, I went looking for a model of how can I stabilize values and, and these key things, not just managing money. What I discovered is all sorts of financial planners and individuals with uh, tax strategies and, and whole, but no one that had a model. So true to every entrepreneur, I created my own model. So this is actually the model that I've lived for the last 30 years and have been very private about the last couple of years where I just felt incredibly prompted need to come forward. Uh, in proper attribution, uh, one of my major life mentors was Stephen Covey. 
and so particularly the doctrine course and he he espoused so uh, would you like me to just quickly scream through the model here quickly christopher yeah absolutely yeah go ahead Wait, first of all just like in business or government or anything else you have to understand what your values are what are you going for what do you actually value most people don't even think to do that in their families uh, you've got you've done it in your business it's the first thing people talk about but what are your true values what are you going for with either your family or your tribe and then equal to the values that you establish is what values are you throwing away much of the challenge that we have in today's society particularly as millennials is oh it's not working so throw the whole thing in the fire just throw it out in the garbage which is really a bad idea we got hundred thousand years of learned wisdom but it's totally appropriate to throw away certain aspects of that a good example is in my family and my wife's family guilt and shame were used like peanut butter and jelly a little bit of peanut butter with jelly gets the be desired behavior and we didn't want to do that so you have to deliberately extract and throw those in the garbage can once you understand what your values are and you're going for there's five major pillars that are planted on top of it to stabilize your your community your tribe or your family the first is your symbols your uh your company has a logo this podcast has a logo the Qantas cup has a logo the chicago bucks have a logo the new england patriots have a logo the university that you went to has a logo does your halfway family have a logo do you know what your color is or the color is of your significant other or what your spirit animal is do you have a family crest well if not guess who you're competing with the bloods and the crips and all these other organizations that have them and we as humans are so drawn to them we have to do it because it's how we show our tribalism indeed it's wired into our dna to manifest who's with us who's against us and so i mean an example of that is to show up to a football game with your team in the wrong color and watch what happens to you you'll probably be passed to the front of the bleachers by your pants you know it's not going to end well for you and so the first part of the program is 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 creating a family logo creating family symbol uh determining what your kids or even your your closest friends what's their colors and always buy a gift on covers because the ultimate human need Christopher the ultimate human need is to be seen to be seen to be loved and feel like you belong so step number 1 is creating family symbology this is doctrine the doctrine is do you have a family mission statement do you know have family mantra do you have uh uh slogans do you have you created a family song well guess what rise and shout your university has one <laughs> breaking the quana club the quana's club stands up and guess who else m13 has it Yeah, it's just a little different than the doctrine you want your kids or your family to go to because you don't want your kid to go kill someone when they're 13 in order to be involved. The symbols show you belong. The doctrine is the rules of engagement of how you behave. The third is what are your your traditions, both the quick cadences of tradition and then the longer really almost sacred. I don't know, they're just almost like like Sinkatera is a good example of that or a bar mitzvah or a baptism. Every religion has these really important sacred kind of traditions and making a big deal out of them that aligns with your values is very important. 
Likewise, with your children, you know, try missing your kid's bedtime story, or, or、uh, you know, whether it's a prayer or a funny at the end of the day, or regular family meals. That's the cadence where the tribe comes back together. So very deliberately and very methodically putting together what are the traditions you're putting that reinforces the value that bonds the tribe together. So that traditions is a critical part of it. Again, so you understand your values. You got your symbology unifying the tribe. You got the doctrine of how you behave, and then you got the traditions. And the last one is is one that I put in. It's just stinking fun. It, it's it's what I call the the epoxy cement that it can never come undone. Is putting rites of passage in place, rites of passage that、uh, that teaches the value deeply. The critical ages are eight, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen for children. And if you're in a community or tribe, great. It works the same there. But no, I mean, why does fraternities have these kind of things? Or even the Quanta clubs has special things you have to do rites of passage. Or I mean, gosh,、uh, the Masons and the Shriners, even our government has these. And so, what are the rites of passage? In my family, when kids were eight, took them first time. They let it got to pick where they、uh, went for their、uh, dinner. Uh, and then we had an open discussion about sex, about drugs, about bullying, all of technology, all the hard topics, and never shut it down. When twelve took them to a third world country, first week we played, rode camels and elephants down the street. Uh, uh, second week we go into Mother Teresa orphanage and we'd hold uh, uh, blind children, or go to Nepal and hold the little lost children. So that trip was about non entitlement. You don't come back from twelve of holding little lost girls and you have entitlement. Fourteen, each of my kids got put on a major world mountain peak. Others have done equally cool things、uh, that have been through this this program.、Uh, one couple that was out of New Zealand, I loved it. They had their kids paddle across shark infested waters, go to this rock where their ancestor was saved from the cannibals multiple times by miraculous things, and then reestate the value of what they believed in. So at that 14 age for us, it was about do the hard things, really hard things, and do them privately. 16 is is when kids take control of their destiny and future and decide what they're going to do. So each of my kids created a million dollar business when they were in high school, and then gave it back when they turned 16. Anything left over with the responsibility of paying for their own future, paying for their college, paying for their car, paying for mission, and paying for family vacations. Other families have done things like, oh, get acreage on the farm, and they show up twice during the summer, keep track of the crops, and back it comes. But whatever you value, you have this opportunity to insert and permanently bond the family together. So again, I think the critical ages, and, and don't take mine. I, I know I overbaked them a little bit. You, you, everyone's got to come up with their own. But eight is when the brain opens. Twelve is when kids enter puberty. Fourteen is is the age that they choose which path they're going to go. A good path or a bad path. Sixteen is is the the age of sixteen、uh, is is the age of decision of career, and eighteen is when every son must kill his father and every daughter must leave their mother. So those rites of passage. Once you have then, and only then, can you put the financial levers in place. If you're out there building wills and trusts and family constitutions without this, you're just wasting your time because you don't have a clue. And sorry, I almost swore. What the heck you're doing? Because you're you're going for wealth preservation, but it's not going to align at all. Once you understand your values, then you can decide. Okay, where do I invest? How am I in continuity? How does this support and overall、uh, build the family? If I was to offer a inheritance to my children, they'd be mortified. They'd be offended because the family banking system 
and structure now is set up to, to support and sustain and to actually do good into perpetuity. So that structure of Legato Family Framework, Christopher, is profound model that on that second piece, you got to do the I and then the we of how you get the family, the unity, the tribe bonded before you go into business. The danger, Christopher, is most jump directly to three, which is business, thinking I'll solve all my problems with business, and certainly all my problems are solved with wealth. And guess what? If you don't get the I and the we solve, then by the time you get to wealth, what you've done is you've just you've dumped gasoline on bigger problems. And so uh, I know that that was a quick dump and a fast go. I normally take an hour to do that. But the reality is, I guess the long and short of it is, is fix your own shit first. And then once you've got your own stuff and figuring that out and can face and sit in the quiet moments, then for heaven's sakes, build your tribe and community. If I were to offer you a billion dollars tomorrow, no matter what, you got a billion dollars, I'm going to say, yes, I got it. And then he says, your health will stink. Everyone will hate you and you'll be alone. No one would take it. It's about your own personal healing, that third mountain about those that are with you. And then you can use the resources, fuel of business and wealth to actually have import. Yeah. Now, that's a really interesting question because, you know, if you don't have your values and you don't know yourself and, you know, you, I like how you approach everything from a framework and, um, and from there you have a solid foundation and bait and, um, you know, a lot of problems in today's society is because we don't have values and, you know, just, you know, the, all of our cultural and societal values are changing and, and really disappearing. So one thing, uh, before, um, I know a lot of the, um, listeners are interested in, uh, contacting you, visiting your website, you know, learning more about you. How can they do that? Uh, if you just go to livegotfamily.com, you'll be able to follow me. And I think there's some infant entrepreneurship stuff on there too. So I got a family and I, I think they gave you a discount code if anyone wants to use it. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, um, Richard's links and resources will be in the show notes. And uh, Richard, what is one final uh, inspirational quote that you want to uh, leave, leave with the audience, one that changed your life? This change in diet, don't be afraid to get out front and make a difference and, and, and make a difference in the world and create change. Well said. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. It was really an enlightening conversation. I really learned a lot from it. And, I'm sh- and I know the audience will take have a lot of takeaways from it as well. Thank you, Christopher. Wonderful to meet with you and, and uh, have a wonderful day.